Well, Taiwan reported 22 COVID-related deaths and 219 local cases on Tuesday. So far this week, the daily case counts have been in the 200s, trending down from the numbers last week. Another encouraging sign is that at test stations in New Taipei, the average positivity rate has dropped to 1%. But officials warn the public against letting down its guard, especially with a long weekend coming up. People are asked not to travel for non-essential reasons over the Dragon Boat Festival holiday. Since the start of the outbreak on May 11th, a total of 11,326 COVID cases have been confirmed. About 2,000 of confirmed cases have been released from isolation. In Greater Taipei, hospitals report that pressure on them is easing as patients are released or transferred and as viral spread spreads down in the region. To the experts, Taiwan's COVID death count is troubling because it's relatively high at 2.8%. Another worrying statistic involves how COVID patients die. According to the Central Epidemic Command Center, 18% of casualties died very quickly, within three days after they started feeling symptoms. Quite a few didn't make it to a hospital for testing and were only diagnosed with COVID after they died. To make COVID testing more accessible to the public, the government plans to authorize the import of COVID test kits that can be used right at home. With COVID still spreading locally, Taiwan's death count is piling up. A figure that's raising eyebrows even among experts is the high rate of deaths within three days of symptom onset. There are indeed some people who are dying very shortly after developing symptoms. Those who die within two or three days of presenting symptoms. 18% of the COVID deaths have died within three days of symptom onset. This is of course something that has prompted us to look into the issue from many angles and make some preparations. Besides that, we need to continue looking into what effects administering monoclonal antibodies could have. We're also discussing ways to transfer patients to hospitals sooner. As hospital capacity and medical resources slowly free up, we'll be able to observe patients more closely and prevent these kinds of incidents. The deaths could indicate that we're dealing with a stronger virus. Secondly, they could indicate that the host's immune system was weak, that it wasn't able to fight off the virus that well. Thirdly, they could indicate that our medical capacity is under strain. Maybe patients feel that they won't be able to see a doctor even if they go to the emergency room, so they'd rather stay put at home. Or maybe they can't be admitted to a hospital fast enough. All these could be reasons that explain why there is an increasing number of rapid deaths. As long as they get transferred to a hospital in time and put on respirators, most patients can get better. But currently, everything is happening too fast and Taiwan can't keep up. So far in this COVID wave, Taiwan has seen a high rate of deaths and of people who die very quickly. Among the 26 deaths reported on Monday, 13 were diagnosed COVID-positive post-mortem. The figure has raised concerns that there could be many undetected COVID cases in the community. In response, the Central Epidemic Command Center said it would encourage companies to import rapid test kits that can be used at home. Currently, rapid test kits are considered medical equipment. But yesterday, Minister Chen said the CECC would encourage companies to apply to get rapid test kits that they can use for themselves. We've already begun the registration and verification and other preparatory work required to provide home test kits. Our company will keep in close contact with health officials and the relevant authorities throughout the process. Biotech companies say they're getting the paperwork ready to increase Taiwan's rapid testing capacity. 
Geelong's uh, Changa Memorial Hospital has acquired a fully automated test processing system that can yield PCR test results in just three hours. The speedy processing times means the machine can perform up to 840 tests every day. That's 700 more than the current 140 per day. After about three hours, you can get the test results. Its accuracy is on par with other machines. It won't just benefit the people, it will also help our health agencies to get a real-time grasp of the pandemic to effectively control disease spread. Most importantly, if needed, it can offer support to Taipei and New Taipei. The machine can perform nucleic acid extraction, which previously had to be done by hand by lab technicians. It also automates the result detection process, greatly reducing the burden on medical personnel. The machine cost the hospital $5 million NT dollars and is, is uh, expected to greatly boost Geelong's COVID testing capacity. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs has denied a rumor that Taiwan only asked Japan for 1.24 million COVID vaccine doses. The rumor, which cites the remarks of Japan's foreign minister, claims that Taiwan's government only asked for a small vaccine supply to tide the country over until July, when its domestic vaccines would be ready to go. In a statement, uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said the rumor is a clear distortion of the Japanese officials' words. It claims that during an interpolation session, Japan's foreign minister Motegi Toshimitsu said that Taiwan believed it would have enough vaccines and that Taiwan said 1.24 million vaccines from Japan would be enough. Speaking at the Legislative Yuan, the DPP's Zhuang Reisheng was visibly irate over misinformation about Japan's vaccine donation. Last Friday, Japan shipped 1.24 million COVID vaccines to Taiwan in an act of friendship. But in the wake of that donation, the internet has been abuzz with rumors and misinformation. On social media, one internet user asked why Japan donated only 1.24 million doses when it had 30 million unused AstraZeneca vaccines. The user claimed that Japan's foreign minister had confirmed as such during an interpolation session last week. According to this internet user, the minister said he'd been told by Taiwan's government that domestic vaccines would be ready in July, and so only a small shipment of vaccines would be needed for now. But footage of the remarks shows a different picture. Our understanding is that Taiwan's domestic vaccine production system will become more mature after July. However, at present, Taiwan is facing an urgent need. Taiwan's foreign ministry has issued a statement rejecting the claims in the social media post. But the post has already had a wide circulation, shared by people including Shinju Deputy Commissioner Chen Jianxian. For a deputy commissioner or for someone in the police force to spread something like this during a pandemic, in Taiwan we'd call them people with bad intentions. Minister Xu will investigate the issue. He knows very clearly what is true and what is false. Premier Su Zhenchang said the incident would be investigated and that those who generate fake news would be prosecuted as part of the government's zero-tolerance policy for disinformation. Well, former Vice President Chen Jianren, who is an epidemiologist, has released a video to justify the proposed emergency use of domestically developed vaccines. Uh, with domestic biotech companies operating at full capacity, their vaccines may well be ready for mass production in July. What worries the public, however, is the fact that these vaccines will, uh, will have only completed phase two clinical trials. 
In the video, Chen assures the public about the safety and effectiveness of Taiwan's vaccines and emphasizes that they need to be rolled out in a timely fashion. Chen also says that the Taiwan FDA will adopt the most stringent measures in its examination of the vaccines before giving them the green light. The majority of the vaccines available has completed phase two clinical trial and has been authorized for emergency use while they're still undergoing phase three clinical trials. Chen Jianren explains in the video that the R&D of domestically developed vaccines is just as stringent as Western ones. He assures that the Taiwan FDA will apply the most stringent measures in its review process. Chen also emphasizes the importance of balancing vaccine safety and timeliness of its introduction for maximum effectiveness. The U.S., the EU and the U.K.'s drug development process does take into consideration how urgent it is as vaccines are being rolled out. The vaccine development process must reach its objective as quickly as possible, so Taiwan, too, is taking the same approach. Protein subunit vaccines take longer to manufacture, but has the most widespread use. We're optimistic about the immune response we observed during phase one clinical trials, so domestic vaccines should perform well. Doctors believe that although protein subunit vaccines, which are based on recombinant protein antigens, take longer to develop, this should not be considered a misguided choice. After being stalled for five years, Taiwan-U.S. trade and investment talks could be moving forward at last. Speaking at a congressional hearing on Monday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken signaled plans for trade talks on a framework agreement with Taiwan. He appeared to be referring to the Trade Investment Framework Agreement with Taiwan, a framework for dialogue that could lead to a bilateral trade agreement. This framework, called TIFA, has been dormant since 2016, largely due to a dispute over U.S. pork containing rectopamine. At a budget hearing on Monday, Blinken was asked for the Biden administration's position on a bilateral trade deal with Taiwan. Blinken made it clear that talks on trade would resume, enabling progress in Taiwan-U.S. business cooperation. I'd have to refer you to uh, Catherine Tai, the U.S. trade representative, but I know we are engaged. Uh, in, uh, in conversations with, uh, with Taiwan, or soon will be, uh, on um, uh, some kind of uh, uh, framework agreement. Taiwan's diplomatic relations with other countries are getting better and better. We look forward to advancement in Taiwan-U.S. relations. Previously, the Thai administration said that Taiwan's ban on U.S. pork containing ractopamine was a hurdle to a Taiwan-U.S. trade pact. Since the lifting of that import ban, the U.S. has signaled that progress will be made on deepening trade ties. Who stands to benefit from deeper ties? According to Economics Ministry data, Taiwan's exports to the U.S. would grow by 1.9 billion U.S. dollars if the two sides eliminated tariffs and barriers to service sector trade. Sectors that would benefit from tariff-free trade are machinery products, chemicals, steel and aluminum, metal tools, rubber products, optical products, and panels, with machinery to get the biggest export boost. But there would be losers in the equation, too, with the agriculture and service sectors getting the brunt of the impact. For Taiwan as a whole, a free trade deal is a development I would be happy to see. But during trade negotiations, there's no such thing as winner-takes-all. Following its donation of COVID vaccines, the U.S. has indicated willingness to move forward on a BTA to advance Taiwan-U.S. ties. 
Taiwan's COVID outbreak has grown at an alarmingly fast pace. That's because the coronavirus variant circulating is the UK strain, which carries mutations that allow it to transmit quickly from person to person. The mutations uh, have also made it more powerful against younger patients. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang speaks to a virologist to understand how this strain differs from the original coronavirus and what can be done to stop its spread. In 2020, Taiwan had one of the most successful COVID responses in the world, even reporting more than 250 days with zero local infections. The days of ease came to an abrupt end in May 2021, when Taiwan started reporting hundreds of new local infections every day. The fast-spreading outbreak was caused by the highly contagious UK variant of the coronavirus. Uh, the outbreak in Taiwan uh, basically is uh, the uh, UK's trend, so the transmissibility is quite high because the mutation, UK's trend got the mutation at a certain position, then because uh, the binding ability become higher to human receptor. And so this is why uh, it's more contagious because more virus can enter our body and uh, got more chance to replicate in our body. So this is why uh, recently we found um, many patients. In the beginning, the biotitan is kind of low, but after two or three days, it becomes very high, and some of them develop very severe diseases. Virologist Shi Xingru says the UK coronavirus strain has mutations that make it more easily transmissible. It's also hardier than other strains, surviving at extremely low temperatures for over a month. The mutations also lended a higher capacity to bind with human receptors, making younger people more vulnerable to severe infections. Especially for the mutant virus, because for the virus um, uh, originated from Wuhan in the beginning this year, the virus is kind of not that stable. But uh, after April this year, the virus uh, got one mutation at position 614 from D to G. And uh, such kind of mutation uh, that virus become more stable. So such kind of mutant we put into the minus 20 or minus uh, over 40. Until one month, we still can detect sufficient amount of virus. So I, I think the virus is become uh, stable after mutation. This variant, UK's trend, is quite different from uh, those we um, met before. It's quite contagious. The spreading rate is quite high. The viral type is quite high. And also, uh, young people can be infected by such variant. And uh, I think it's more dangerous than those strains we met before. She says the UK strain can be fended off with vaccines, including AstraZeneca and Moderna. Actually, uh, good news for us because we got uh, AZ vaccines and got Moderna vaccines, and both vaccines can against the UK strain quite well. The UK strain does not change antigenicity, so the current vaccine can um, can work for this variant. The virologist says widespread vaccination can bring Taiwan's outbreak to a swift end. Until that is achieved, she says it's best to keep masks on and hand washed while maintaining social distance. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Li Qi in Taipei. Well, the three-day Dragon Ball Festival starts Saturday. To slow the, uh, to slow the spread of COVID-19, the Central Epidemic Command Center wants people to cancel their travel plans for the long weekend. Uh, 
After factoring in the refunded tickets, as of last night, the HSR is expected to have less than 50,000 northbound and southbound passengers between June 11th and 14th. As for the Taiwan Railways Administration, it's about 30,000 passengers. During this period of time, we're asking people to please stay home, don't travel to your hometowns. Not going back this year is the best manifestation of filial piety. We have been seeing some effect from the restrictions, but we still hope that people will stay put. Over the coming few days of this holiday, if people are compliant and stay home, I believe that would be a tremendous help to our COVID fight. The Taiwan Railways Administration sold 136,000 tickets for the upcoming holiday. So far, it's refunded 80% of them. The Taiwan High-Speed Rail has also refunded most of its holiday fares. As for coach bus traffic, all but 5,000 tickets have been refunded. If you've still held on to your ticket, you may be eligible for a cash bonus for claiming a refund. The Tainan city government is offering 200 NT dollars to anyone who refunds their bus or train fare. COVID restrictions uh, have shut down schools nationwide and disrupted many children's routines. Uh, that means that even means attending graduation ceremonies from home. But many schools have pulled out all of the stops to make online ceremonies as special as possible. Let's pay a visit to one school that used robots as avatars of the students and music to bring graduates together from home. The ceremony begins with a trumpet call, but the students on the podium are represented by Kebby Air robots with little graduation caps. The principal hands each robot their certificate and chokes up as she speaks about each student's accomplishments. Many schools have canceled graduation ceremonies, but at Cao Gong Elementary School, we came up with a graduation ceremony for students who can't be here in person. With the level three alert in place, the school's principal and teachers sprang into action to get 21 robots for the ceremony. In just a few days, they had arranged a futuristic online ceremony to honor the occasion. We contacted lots of retailers, trying to get the Kebby Air robots to act as the kids' avatars in the ceremony. The school put a lot of love into producing this graduation. Even though we couldn't be there in person, the ceremony went ahead. Students sat at home to listen to a solemn speech from the head teacher, with many shedding tears to remember their growth over the last six years. Although it was an online graduation, it still felt warm and moving, because it's so great that the school could do it like this for us. We were so touched, so, so touched that the school did all of this for the graduating class. One graduating student, Zheng Xingqiao, contributed a musical interlude with her musician mother's help. Together, they wrote this song, The Winds of June, which became the theme tune for the campus tour. That was posted online the day before the ceremony, delighting students and teachers alike, making this unusual graduation an unforgettable rite of passage. Taiwan is one of the countries showcasing an installation, installation at this year's London Design Biennale, which kicked off June 1st. Taiwan's pavilion at the exhibition is titled Swingfinny and features metronomes with incense-like pendulums as well as paper lanterns you'd find at temples in Taiwan. 
The goal is to get audiences to feel a sense of connection with one another. The pavilion was organized by the Taiwan Design Research Institute and curated by the creative director of Taiwan Design from Beto. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang speaks with them to learn more about their concept. Visitors enter a dark room. They are each given a metronome, which they set off whenever they please. At the beginning, all the metronomes click at different beats, but they end up synchronizing to swing in unison. After about 15 seconds, the room is illuminated by lanterns hanging from the walls. Like I said, the, this exhibition design has three features, and the lanterns represent the whole, and the metronome make the whole hearable, and the visual arts make the whole visible. So the three, the three things all connect to each other. And the shape of metronome is inspired by folding hands. And individual actions cause resonance to other group, especially in this epidemic times, the whole world should be united. Swingfony is the brainchild of Beto creative director Liu Kangming. The installation draws inspiration from Taiwan's diverse religions, drawing parallels with physics theories involving electromagnetic and alpha waves. In creating the work, Liu and his team spent nearly half a year traveling to 20 villages and towns across Taiwan to document the cultural and architectural characteristics of 50 Taiwanese temples. Swingfony hopes to convey that no matter our differences, we can all still connect with one another and develop a balanced relationship. Whatever the temple or church, is an immersive space. Like whatever, like what's your religion, or you, you don't believe God. When you walk in, no matter what religion you believe in, you feel calm and the peace without when you enter this kind of space. You use lanterns, metronome, and the video installation to make the audience feel it. The London Design Biennale started in 2016, inviting participants from all over the world to a global gathering of design. This year, the event has attracted dozens of countries, regions, and groups to exhibit their take on the theme Resonance. The event will run until June 27th. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Tingshang in Taipei.